0: Basketball in LA is unmatched. All the opportunities that I've ever been given in my life came from being here in LA. People might think it's cool, because, you know, Hollywood, the weather. No, man, it's beautiful out here, but at the same time, it's hardcore. In LA, you can get embarrassed to quit.
1: My is the mecca of basketball. I think it's transition from the East Coast now to the West Coast. It's a little flashy. Layback, smooth skills, but at the same time, got a lot of dog.
0: Tariq Abdel-Samia, head varsity basketball coach at Grant High School, first year head varsity basketball coach at Grant High School, Um, been assistant coach here for the last 13 years prior. Graduated high school in 2004, started coaching right after.
1: Time out. Let me give a proper introduction of the gentleman I'm interviewing. His name is Tariq Abdel-Samia. He's a 14-year high school basketball coach at Grant High School. 13 of those years, he served as the Frostoff Head JV, and then Varsity Assistant under Howard Levine. Yeah, that's the same Howard Levine that coached Gilbert Arenas. Of those 13 years, his JV rosters have won 10 league titles, 6 of them being consecutive. His Frostoff squads have won 8 of 11 league titles, and he's helped produce countless college players. That's a lot coming from a small Division II school in the San Fernando Valley. The 2017-2018 season was his first at the forefront of a varsity program, which he yet again won league in his first year, by the way, and produced a good amount of success that I had the opportunity to be a part of. It was only natural that he was my first interview. So I started off like most interviews do. How did you get started with basketball?
0: It's like any other kid. Uh, started playing at the park, pick up. Uh, used to play with the old guys on Saturday mornings over at Sherman Oaks Park. Um, and just went from there, just grew organically it was something that was you know, obviously I played soccer and all the other sports mm-hmm. um, my first real basketball experience playing on an actual team outside of pickup was I was in, <laughs> it's funny I didn't start playing high school, I didn't start playing any basketball as far as I organized until high school so you know, I'd always play at the park mm-hmm. you know, with the older guys and the kids and just pick up basketball um, and then I came to Grant in my ninth grade year. And I tried it out for the team, I didn't make it, which I felt I should have made it. Um, you know, at the time, I, I, obviously I thought I was better than a lot of players, but like, there was things that now in retrospect that I see that I should have been doing that I wasn't, you know. Talent-wise, I was playing, but my you know, coach cut me. So I had a couple of friends that were playing frost-off basketball here, and after the season was over, they were all playing at North Hollywood Park, you know, playing playing pickup basketball. They were playing at the, in the league there. I went over there with them, and that was my first or, original, first organized basketball experience. Before that, i never played organized basketball, I just played pick-up basketball, gotcha. and then from then on, you know, I, I, I realized that there were things that I wasn't doing basketball-wise, um, and obviously I was behind the eight ball because all these kids that were trying out in ninth grade were playing basketball their whole lives, and they were playing, playing travel ball, and, you know, it was before travel ball got really big, but they were all playing at the parks and playing... You know, playing, having fathers, coaching them, so they they had more experience than I did. So they were doing things that I wasn't doing. But at the time, I couldn't see that. You know, it was kind of, how come I didn't make? I'm better than him. Like, I was killing him. Now, here I am 18 years later, like, a oh. whole You know, that's why. But, you know, I ended up playing at the park that first year. I thought I was one of the better players. I didn't get selected for All-Stars. It really hurt my feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're laughing, but it's flies too. You think about it. You say, "Wait, I'm the second best player on my team. Why am I not on the All Stars?" You know, I was the I was the alternate on the All Stars. Um, but you know, it kind of motivated me in tenth grade. make the team. Made Frost uh, made for us off my tenth grade year. Sophomores that it was sophomores back then. Um, JV my junior year, halfway through, got called up to varsity. Um, going into my varsity, my senior year of varsity, I wasn't expected to play much. Ninth man uh, maybe even 10th man best player gets hurt things change I end up becoming a starter on a f- very good basketball team and I was the 5th option I wasn't I wasn't I usually defended the other team's best player um, you know at f- 6 feet I was rebounding like I was 6'5 because I had to and you know and then I graduated and I wanted to stay in it and I knew I wasn't going to play next level basketball because just wasn't in the cards for me I just you know six foot stocky guy. I wasn't fat, I, was, I could play basketball, but you know I knew coaching was gonna be my thing a long time ago. So, and then I started helping out, hanging around, and then became the frost soft coach, JV coach, varsity assistant coach, and then when Levine retired after 31 years, it was a natural progression. I just took over the program.
1: That's dope. When did you first officially
0: meet Levine? When he cut me my ninth grade year. Oh, he was still the coach at that He was time. the head coach at the time. So I walk into practice, Walking to trials first day of school, obviously. And I was living in Egypt the year before. So what happened was, my seventh grade to eighth grade year, my parents decided to move to, my, my dad wanted to move to Egypt, you know. And my mom didn't want to move, my dad wanted to move, he wanted to start a business. So my, my mom and dad thought it'd be good for me to go to Egypt, just a different culture, different environment. So I went to Egypt, and and this is why it was so hard for me getting cut in my ninth grade year, because I went to Egypt, and they, you know in Egypt, just like soccer, in, in any other country, they have clubs, you know, club teams. So my dad says, you know, let's go to the club and play. And I'm playing on the club team and I'm playing with their upper level, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's basketball, but it's not like it is in the United States. And I'm playing on the club team and I'm really good. I'm even good enough to, um, they got me practicing at 14. They got me practicing with, uh, you know, the, the senior team, which is the 21, the professionals basically. And everybody's hyped up about me. I'm, I'm you know, yeah, you can play but I hated it, you know. I was supposed to go to an American school, they couldn't get me in because you know, I got there too late. Um, so I basically spent my eighth grade year, I didn't go, really go to school my eighth grade year, um, at least half my eighth grade year. But I was just playing basketball, they pick up, I was practicing with the senior team, and then, you know, I realized that I didn't want to live in You know, If I would have stayed, I could have, probably would have been playing on a national team right now, would have had a career, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told my dad I want to go back, you know, I want to go back home, so my mom, my mom had moved to the valley by then um and so i come back home you know my dad my dad's working on opening the business in E3, so he's back and forth So i come back home and i never finished my eighth grade year so my mom assumed hey you know we got to take you to middle school you got to finish your eighth grade year I said okay so you know we go to madison which is down the street we walk in they ready to sign up for eighth grade you know hey, i'm gonna do my eighth grade here and they say oh your birthday's in september you're too old for eighth grade you won't you'll be 19 in september right? she's she like go straight to grant go to high school i was like my mom says well you never, you never finished eighth grade he went to egypt she's like it doesn't matter he's, he's aged out of middle school so i come to grant i'm thinking to myself okay you know high school basketball trials i'm the man of the club i'm the. i'm the prospect eighth grader at the club so I, I i walk in here thinking i'm the shit. and reality sets in you know my best friend at the time was, his name was Eric, Eric Williams. He was a superstar uh, on the freshman, he was averaging 35 points a game. He was, man, everybody was like, That's, this guy's gonna be the next great Grant Varsity player. You know? We had Geno at the time, Geno Reine. He, 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 he was, was going into his sophomore year. And he, was, you know, he was averaging 27 points a game as a sophomore. You know, He had just, Gilbert had just graduated two years before so it's kind of like a progression. So Eric's the next guy in line. He's my best friend. And Eric's my best friend. I'm playing. You know, I'm trying out for the team. I'm going to make it. There's no way coach is going to cut me. Sure enough, coach cuts me. I don't make the team. And I think I'm walking around campus thinking I'm, I got, I, the guy doesn't like me or, you know, I did something. Uh, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know? Like every high school basketball player in yep. the country when they don't like their coach or when the coach does something that they don't think they Yep. they don't understand. They don't see the bigger picture. They don't get it. So I'm sitting in the stands during the whole seat the whole freshman season, and I'm sitting up there acting like a little jerk. You know? I'm, 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 yelling, I'm cheering, but it's not in a positive light. It, it makes me, it made me, in retrospect, it makes me look really, really bad. Um. So. I just thought sort of rambling. What was your question? Are oh, you good? You're good. It
1: was just like where you got started, so, how you got into, so, uh, how you made the transition from that into coaching. Yeah. Basically.
0: So in retrospect, it makes you look really, really bad. And then you know something happened. I don't, I don't know when it was or what happened, but the tryouts that May. You know, I'm thinking to myself, okay, you know, I got to make the team this year. Eric's make. Eric's on varsity now. Summer league, spring league. I'm going to all the games. Obviously, cause he's still my best friend, but he's going down the wrong path. He was. You, know, you talk about a guy with a world of talent at wrong direction. Um, and something had something clipped. I don't know what it was. I can't I can't pinpoint it. But one day I just made a decision. I was like, okay, I'm doing the wrong things. Somehow I'm doing the wrong things to not be able to play basketball. You know, I didn't realize how much I I loved it until that moment. You know, it was at that point it was just it was a hobby, something to do. I went to Egypt, I was fairly successful there, but I never took it seriously. It was kinda of one of those things that like good at it you know keep doing it i never really worked out I'd go play at the park on saturdays I never really worked on my game and back then you know i feel like i'm old saying that i'm not that old but you know early 2000s you know open gyms and that was tr- the thing and, and no but training individual training wasn't it wasn't really a, pop- it wasn't it was not like a that. thing yeah you know there wasn't all these guys you know i think i think basketball in la in southern california has become a meat market kind of like pop warner was in the 90s and There's so many guys who are trainers and watch YouTube videos, yeah. The proverbial trainers and I can do this, I can do that. But back then there wasn't a thing. So everybody was learning on their own. They were playing with grown men at eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday at the park on the blacktop getting knocked around. And you know, so I realized at some point, sometime that I wanted to play so I made some changes. What the changes were, I really can't tell you. I, I don't know what they were. I still don't know. It's, it's just, it was maybe a change in my overall outlook, my perception, the way I acted, the way I spoke, the way I walked in the gym, the way I interacted with just adults in general. And then uh, so, you know, I try out in May, right? And I said, okay, thought to myself, what did I not do the first trial? I was making passes. I'm setting up teammates. I'm Taking shots and dribbling between my legs and going to the bucket, you know I'm. You can't stand in front of me. But what did I do? Then I realized, shit, I was just standing there, like literally standing. I'd get the ball on offense, go up the court, score, do whatever, and then I would just stand. While teams, what guys are running down in transition, wasn't great. Wasn't really crossing half court, you know. And then I was sitting there pointing at my teammates, get a rebound, guard him. <laughs> I was that guy. <laughs> And, and you know I, I remember, you know, I don't remember what made me change it, but I remember seeing it in a varsity game. You know, I went to the Spring League, it used to be at North Hollywood High School, mm-hmm. and you know Eric was playing and, and the varsity was playing, and I was sitting in the stands, and Eric did it. You know, he got a bu- he, he crossed the guy over, got a little, little and one layup, and started jogging back, and Coach pulled him off the game. I'm so sorry, I'm sorry I said, the guy just got a bucket, what did he off the game for? Because he was jogging back. And he yelled, and he said, you're jogging. And Eric looks at him and says, can't guard me, Coach. Just sit your ass down. Goes back in. It happens again. Sit your ass down. You don't play defense. You don't play. Oh shit! can to play defense? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. What? <laughs> what is this concept? <laughs> uh... So okay, I come to tryouts. Here I am. I'm locking anybody up. I don't care who it is. Big guys. I'm fronting them. I'm knocking people up. I'm hustling. I'm going after loose balls. I'm doing everything that I never did before, right? The things that we all know now as basketball players don't require any skill. Yeah, it's just all attitude Mm -hmm. and hustle. Mm -hmm. And I said, then I I come out of that try say, man, I played terrible. I didn't score any points. The guy couldn't, I I couldn't go by nobody. Like you know, guess I'm not gonna make it this year. Maybe you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be playing. And then my name's on the list for spring summer. I made it. Yeah, you're on the summer league list. But my last trial was better than this trial. What the hell, are you guys! What's wrong with this guy? Okay, fine. Work out in the summertime, you know. I'm getting in shape and playing. I, you know, ended up going to Fullerton and then uh, this was the Pacific, and you know he hold, up until this year holds a bunch of three-point records. And, you know, but he, he he's he's coming along. You know, he's he's a, he's a junior. I'm a junior. You know, he's he's a, yeah, he's a sophomore. I'm a junior. Something like that. We, we were you part. Um, so my JV year, we're playing, you know, again, varsity solid, they're decent, they're not great, but they're young, they're a bunch of juniors, and, you know, we're a bunch of guys on JV, I'm a junior still, I'm a junior playing JV, so I took it as a slight, mm-hmm. you know, but that JV year I had a bunch of juniors, and then Mike and some other guys. We end up being very good, you know, the JV team ends up going undefeated, being very good, and then Mike, okay, here's my senior year, Mike is a junior who's a budding superstar. Everybody knows he's gonna be the man. You know, I'm a senior on varsity, but I'm not playing. I have to kind of swallow my pride, and know I'm playing. You know, I was starting point guard on JV, ended up being the starting point guard on varsity. I thought I was better than him, but I never got the chance to play point in high school because I was always behind a couple of guys that ended up being pretty good. Anyway, um, so Thanksgiving vacation. You know, I know, okay, I'm the ninth man on the team, maybe tenth man, maybe I play a couple minutes here, maybe I play a couple minutes there. You know, we got a 6'7 guy, we got a 6'5 kid named Max, who's, who's a two, three man, who's very good, who's a returning varsity player. We got a kid that came in from Arkansas named Tim, who's about six, one, could shoot it. We got we got a lot of talent, and I'm not going to play behind these guys, you know. But I could be the ultimate teammate, you know. I, I realized at that point I could, just, I, I could contribute whatever I could. And whatever I could do makes the team better. Makes the team better. So you know, in practice, I'm practicing hard. I'm, I, I, by this time, you know, going back a little bit, my JV year, I was one of the only JV guys who was in with the varsity guys. And you know, all those, all my, all my friends, all my really close friends, graduated my junior year. And a couple of my close friends were with me on JV, but for the most part, all my friends were graduating, were seniors. So anyway, so here comes Thanksgiving vacation. You know, we have practice day after Thanksgiving, the hardest practice of the year. And then the next day we're supposed to have practice. Coach walks in the gym He says, uh, I have bad news. that's the bad news? He says, uh, Max got hurt. He told me to have practice. He was fine. He was all over the place. It was right after the alumni game. Max had like 30 points in the alumni games. Like five can run, jump, shoot, left-handed. Max got hurt. He's probably out for the season. Well, what happened? He went to Beeman Park yesterday. Cousins are in town. They were playing around at the park, He's dunking the ball, and landed on somebody's foot wrong. It's not broken, but it's a really, really bad sprain. You know, one of those sprains where it's better to break it. <laughs> those those sprains that never go away. Okay. All right. Well, Max is out. That kills us. That's 20 points a game gone. Well, Mike's, is budding Mike's the up-and-coming guy, right? So Mike has to step into the limelight. And I was okay with it. And then as the season, as we started getting into the season, you know, I didn't start at first. As we started getting into the season, we had a split issue here, guy got hurt there. I'm playing more and more minutes. I don't even realize it. And the next thing I know, I'm starting. Okay. I'm the fifth option. I'm, I know I'm not going to score much. I'm not even going to look to shoot the ball before. There's no way we got Mike over here who needs to get the ball in his hands. You know, we got a couple of other guys who can shoot the ball, we have six, seven, six, eight, Dimitri, who ended up playing at Pierce and Pepperdine, and, you know, who's gonna be the second scorer, but now that Max is hurt, he's the man, but Mike was coming, so we had a lot going on. And I wasn't about, and obviously you could talk growing up since <laughs> ninth grade, because I wasn't about to ruin that for my own needs, which I could have, because I had the ball in my I was playing four-man, and our, our four-man I'm trailing, I'm inbounding, I have a lot of responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, outside the point guard is the most important, the way we run stuff, most important position. Mm-hmm. Okay, so season goes on, season goes on, I'm stuck, and now I realize I'm picking up every big defensive assignment. Yeah. You know, um, we're playing Harvard I like a 1000 I'm guarding Bryce Taylor, we ended up playing. Oh, game. wow, yeah. yeah. Okay. Fine, then we're playing playing Taft I'm guarding Jordan. Okay. You know, we had a Polly at that time was really good in our league. And you know, we, we had a really Polly was pretty good and they had a really really good score a big time score that was absolutely like 27. I can't remember the guys name, to save my life now. So he says coach says you got you got him. He says, okay. So, what does a Poly coach do? First minute he sees me out there guarding him. He spreads the court. Go buy him every time. Well, first quarter, six minutes into the first quarter, we're up 18-0. I have about three steals. <laughs> uh, the guy can't go buy me. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So then coach says, after the game, we win the game. We end up, it was a big game here at home. We win the game, coach says, you know, you have a knack. You have a knack for stopping people what do you mean he says you're prideful and your pride allows you to just be an asshole defensively you just you, you won't you won't allow guys to be better than you Said, so, I never thought of it that way but that still that still kind of carries with me because I don't I can't legitimately say that I'm gonna allow somebody else to be better than me at anything you know if they beat me God bless them, but they're gonna feel the pain of that win. <laughs> they're gonna remember. They're gonna. They're gonna feel the, They're gonna be sore from it. They're not gonna. It's not gonna be a comfortable win. You say that a lot. Yeah. yeah. God bless them. They. Hey, they hit it. The guy gets to the bucket. God bless him. But he's gonna, <laughs> they're gonna feel his it. ribs are gonna be hurt a little. Bit. Uh, he's going He's going He's going he's, he's not gonna come out the same way. So, you know, that's how I really got into basketball. That's how I realized how. You know, after I graduated high school. I was I was kinda I wasn't lost, but I was like I need a competitive edge. And then I go start playing these adult leagues mm-hmm. and I'm dominating these adult leagues. I'm like, why was I doing this shit in high school? It's a different game. Every day. It's a different game. I'm just got nineteen, I'm scoring thirty points in adult league games. Guys can't stay in front of me. You know, man, I'm going to Venice, I'm going here, I'm <laughs> traveling all over the city playing basketball before social media was big. Before it was popping, you know, yeah. So if you still got the flip phones with the you know, you gotta dial, you gotta press two, three times to get the A, like, to get a C, like, you know what I mean? Those, you're playing Snake on your phone, on the dash, going to the park, like, stuff like that. And, and coach calls me up, he says, hey, you want to coach? I said, what do you mean? He says, I need, I think you should help. I mean, I know you're around, and I know you, I think you'd be able to really help. We had a, my senior year, we had a bunch of seniors. Mike was a superstar now. And, but everybody else behind him was a sophomore. He says, do you want to coach? He says, there's some guys here that can learn from you and that you can, they can help you out. I said, okay, so I started showing up, you know. My first year I was kind of, first year I was kind of behind the scenes. Wasn't really coaching much on the bench, you know, I was kind of just sitting around. And then my next year, um, I took over the freshman team. No, the second year I didn't. I just assisted on this freshman. Grade. My first two years I really wasn't coaching any team, I was just assisting. And then, um, Assatore, who was my JV coach, got a job at uh, Valley College. Is it Valley? Yes, he got a job at Valley College. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not Valley College. I'm sorry. He got married and moved to North Dakota. He got a job at an NAIA school there. Okay. So coach says to me, hey, you're taking over the freshman. Okay. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like. No freaking clue. I'm basically mimicking anything that I had learned, or re- trying to remember drills <laughs> from when I was playing, uh, trying to remember concepts, you know, coaches in practice all the time kind of helping me out, He's taking practice a lot, you know, which is fine. No idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm making it up as I go. I sound like, no offense to travel ball coaches, but I sound like one of these dads who's trying to be a travel ball coach, who understands the game, but doesn't know how to teach it. Mm. I'm just saying random thing you know, I'm te- Telling them the hardest part about this, learning how to teach somebody something. Yeah, you, can you know something, but learning how to teach somebody something is impossible, it's hard. Yeah. You, gotta, you tell me I gotta communicate. So my, my, my first challenge was learning how to communicate with everybody. So
1: that, would, would that be like the most difficult moment of your career, making the transition and having to teach someone the game of basketball rather than just like applying stuff?
0: No, it wasn't. I'll tell you what the most difficult moment of my career was. The difficult moment of my career was knowing that I was ready to be a head coach on a varsity level and having to control it. Have, knowing that I could go I can be a, I'm ready to be a varsity head coach, but I cannot project that because it's not what's best for me. So I had to be the, I had to be the quiet voice in his ear, you know, making, helping him make decisions that I thought was, you know, obviously I don't have the final say. So having to sit there and bite my tongue when he, when, when coach disagrees, you know, thinking that I'm, you know, obviously it's, it's a learning process. So that was more, hard, that was harder because I know i to be a varsity coach. I know my team, you know, like for example, um, the year after we had Gore and those guys, 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. my JV team the previous year, Gore's senior year, um, was 27 and one. And they would have finished second in our varsity league behind our varsity. They might even split with our varsity. They were, we were really good and I had complete control of the team. They were responding to everything. You know, we were fast, we were quick, we could shoot. We had two guards that were strong. You know, we look like a, we look more like an inner city team from the 90s than we did a valley team, you know, and and that team was the new varsity team for the most part, you know, with the exception of a couple of players, Tulio, who ended up having a great career and um, played college, you mm-hmm. know, and I was trying to play overseas, and you know, and I knew what the challenges were, and I knew how to coach that team, but I wasn't the head coach, and that was the hardest part because I, I can only suggest. I can only do so much, and, and and that was the hardest part of my coaching career. Learning how to, learning how to teach somebody something wasn't as difficult because I was still learning. You know, I was teaching kids how to play basketball as I was learning it, and and I would see how they would react to certain, you know, would see how they would react to certain things. So I would say, hey, you know, you got to jump help side looking at me like what what's that you got to get between your man and the ball like teaching learning learning how to communicate with everybody it's part of life you have to learn how to communicate with different. so that was, i learned that lesson i learned that life lesson through coaching how to communicate with different people in different environments through coaching um but that was the hardest thing it was, it was it was it helped me grow up a lot faster which which was a blessing in disguise Because who knows. How fast I would have grew up if I didn't have a coach. Because i I had to be the, I had to be the leader of young men at a young age. At night, I was nineteen, twenty, coaching freshman basketball, JV basketball. You know, these guys are not that much older than me. Shit, there's some girls that were seniors. Who, were, when my first year coach as the head coach of JV, the girls who were seniors at, on campus were freshmen when I was still a senior in high school. When I was a senior in high school, so you know what I mean? Like, it was like. These kids are looking at me like, you're, bro. We were freshmen with we Like the varsity guys, the varsity seniors were like, bro. I was on frost off when you were on varsity. Like, you're telling me, like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. I me mean? like, like, what do you really know? Exactly. Yeah. So, I was learning as I was teaching at the same time, and I learned trial and error. I just learned what works and what doesn't. You know what, what, what uh, what what's good and what's bad, and how to communicate with different people. And that that was the life lesson I learned was how to be an adult. How to check myself in the proper manner. So, y- yeah, my, my most challenging thing was learning was, was learning how to, you know, you learn this in a the, in the work environment, and you might know more than your boss, but you have to know when to present that, and, and, and in the matter you present. And, you know, that's how I felt at the time. In retrospect, I didn't know more than him. I just, I knew, what my plays were all about, but basketball-wise, he knew what, you know, a thousand. You know, that's the goal. He knew more than me, so it was it was. That was the hardest part of it. Okay, what would be
1: your best career moment to date, or your most memorable career moment to date, whether it be while you were playing or while you were coaching?
0: Um. Negative or positive? You know, or well. My most memorable career moment was in Levine's last game, we were a playoff game here in double overtime, and we lost. And I had we, I already knew he was retiring the whole season. You know, me and him, me and him only. So we come into office, you know, and he says to me, he says, "Well, it's your show now." And I didn't realize the magnitude of what I was about to take take on until he said that. He says, you know, it's your show now. Oh, shit. Of he coach. <laughs> Damn. You know, I've been waiting for this moment so long. That okay, you know. didn't really hit you? Well, the thing is, I had opportunities. Obviously, I had plenty of opportunities before that to go to get head coach at school, a school and jobs open up back in But... You know, we've only had, before me, we only had two head coaches in the school's 60-year history. Bill McKee, who was here for 32 years, 33 years. Jim is named after him. And then, you know, Howie, Howie, who was here for 31 years and the floor is named after him. So in 64 years of the school's history, we had two head varsity head coaches. It's not common in LA at all. Obviously, you know the basketball scene. Yeah. Coaches move, move around all the time. With the exception of Westchester, Ed's been there for 30 years. Harvey was at Fairfax for 30 years. There's certain jobs where guys have been there for a very, very long time, but I'm only the third coach in the school's history. You know, it didn't, it didn't hit me. And then somebody put it on social media on Facebook. You know, I put it on there, and then the alumni, guys, I did not even know. I, was, I had like over 300 likes, 200 shares, people commenting all over the place. I'm getting phone calls from the Daily News, L.A. Times, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wait a minute. What just happened? You would think the world was about to end. You know, what the hell? What did I get myself into? I was <laughs> coaching basketball here. And then now I'm thinking to myself, shit, all this time I thought I was going to be a horse. I say, hey coach, am I really ready for this? And all these fears and doubts and, you know. And, and, and that was the most memorable moment because I remember sitting here saying, wondering, you know, what's going to happen, what am I, what's going to, you know, am I going to be taken seriously, you know, am I going to be successful, am I going to, you know, and you know, as a coach, that was my most memorable because I haven't had anything to, I haven't had a long enough career to develop those memories. You know, now, now I've had other moments that I'm going to always remember, right, such as, you know, the we won League at Poly, you know some reason I was overcome with emotion because I knew what the team had had to do to get to that point um, you know my first alumni game as the head coach when they made such a big deal out of it you know all these are, are memorable moments that I always remember you know our first first home playoff game you know, first playoff loss first row but the most memorable moment was me sitting here wondering what's gonna happen like, what, what am I gonna do now? what happens now yeah you know, as a player Obviously you have so many you have so much fun playing that there's a lot of moments you remember and things are vague, you know. I, I remember, you know, going to Fremont at Fremont down up nine with three minutes left and losing. I remember, you know, there's a lot of things you remember from that. But yeah, so far it's been bad. Hmm. Um what would you tell your
1: younger self if you had a chance to reflect
0: on your career up until this point? Calm down. You know, I I didn't learn that until halfway through this year. Uh, calm down. You know, you can't control everything. but um, your team will will take their lead from you. You know, if you're erratic and irrational, they'll be erratic and irrational. If you're calm and collected and stern, they'll be calm, collected, and stern. If you're if you're emotional, they'll be so I, I think I think you know we ask players to play outside themselves, right? So you say you play your best basketball when you're not thinking, right? You you, you don't you, you, it comes natural running offense. You know, coach makes a call from the sideline; it's a natural reaction. That's when you're playing your best basketball. Well, you gotta coach that way too. You, know, you gotta you gotta you gotta just coach every possession for what it is. Coach every kid for who they are, and and just can't can't control everything. You know, when we ask players to play outside themselves, you know, when you start coaching, you start coaching outside yourself. You know, everything is—you know what's going to happen before it happens. You know what decision you're going to make before it's time to make it. You—you're planning ahead for just in case scenarios, and and I, and when you're erratic and upset and yelling at referees and upset with players and um, you, you lose sight of what's going on. You—you know, you, you miss a lot of things. So, calm down would be thing, Because you know, if I'm yelling at a player, by the time I'm done yelling at him, a thousand things have happened. You know, um, but if you're if you're a true coach and you have control of your team, the the sound of your voice is enough. You know, whether it's a whisper or whether it's a yell, the sound of your voice should be enough. So if I'm if if, if a guy is ten feet thirty feet away from me and the gym is loud. I should only have to yell so you he can hear me. I shouldn't have to yell to prove a point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if I'm truly coaching my team and if my guys are truly engaged in what I'm saying to them and they're really learning and I'm doing a good enough job of teaching them stuff, then the sound of my voice, the instruction I'm giving them is more than enough. You know, obviously you get caught up in the emotions of the game and you get mad at players because you can tell when they're, you know, they're making a, a selfish decision rather than a basketball decision. And yeah, you might have to be a little bit more stern in your approach, right? But you never lose your sense of calm. and that's, that, I think that would be the biggest thing, is just calm down. Know, know the difference between yelling instruction because they can't hear you and yelling out of emotion and losing sight of what's really going on. Because the, the 10 seconds I just spent yelling at so-and-so over here for not getting back defensively Something else happened, which I could have used my attention. So instead of doing that, just yo, my man, why are not you in? you didn't get back on these, Sit down. Go sit down. But there's no you didn't you didn't you didn't run back defensively. There's no reason for it. Sit down. You good? And then two minutes later, before they have time to fester, if they're you know if they're, if they're one of your main guys, or even if you are rotational guys, get them right back in there because now they. They've understood what they did. They've had time to get over being upset with you. They've had time to realize, oh shit, I didn't run back on defense. That's why the coach took me yeah. on it. Put them back in. And I would hold you hold everybody accountable to the same. You yeah. know, I had to learn that. I'm still learning it. You know. Sometimes you make decisions because you know what players are capable of. So sometimes you let somebody get away with a little bit more than somebody else because you know. But the team picks up on that and they'll know. And you'll lose your team real quick. So you have to hold everybody to the same standard. If, if defensively, this is your standard, I don't give you score 50 points in a row. You know, I, I, I started coming up with a thing, okay, you get, you get, you get, you get chances, right? Okay. First chance, basketball's not a perfect game, everybody makes a mistake, right? You get beat, you get, you miss a box out of seven. Okay, right? First chance is, is part of the game. It's all part of the game. I think coaches make mistakes of pulling players out right away as soon as they make a mistake, because. You made that mistake, get out. First chance, you made, hey, gotta box out. How does he go by you like that, right? i got, i got, okay. Second time is, all right, yo. What are you doing? Do you wanna sit? And the third time, you gotta come out, sit down, you're done. There are some offenses that are just egregious enough where you gotta take them out right away. But 90% of it is, you've played basketball your whole life. You know, sometimes you're you're so you're so you're, you're running, you're running, you're running. You close the guy out, and all of a sudden he's by you, right? Yo, you forget you forget your fundamentals for a second, right? Okay. Then the next time it happens, is he that much better than you? He's just going by. He's put the ball in his left hand and went right by you. What do you do? Oh, well, now you look at him. You can tell from a player. Is it is it a is it the fact that that defender is too good for him, or is it that he's not? mentally out of it. Is it that his footwork is not good enough? Is it something that, you know, but if I'm spending my time just being upset with the kid I can't identify what the problem is. And that's why you, you gotta calm down. You know, because you'll see, you see it happen. Okay, that guy's too fast for him. No matter what he does he's gonna go by Give him five feet and him shoot sure over the top. Now you're coaching. You're making an adjustment to help that player out help him be more successful, but if you're yelling and screaming, you're so upset about everything, you'll never you'll never realize that, then you'll watch tape and say, oh, the guy was too fast for me. he's too strong for him. oh, you know, he can't, he's, he's having a hard time going to his left, things like that, and, and, but if you're, so I would say, calm down, just calm down, coach the game for what it is, coach your guys for what they are, and Live with and and, and you'll, you'll notice that your guys respond a lot quicker when they when they're not playing under the constant threat of being. You know, they, they know they can make a mistake. You know, when guys know that they're allowed to make a mistake, you know I, I use the terminology: if you're gonna make your mistakes, make your mistakes out of pure hustle. And if you're gonna make, if you're gonna, if you're, gonna if you're gonna, if you're gonna fail, at least fail going 100 miles an hour, right? because that's, you know, that's all you can really do. But if guys start wondering, look behind over the shoulder, they stop, they, stop, they can't play 100 miles because That's always in the back of their mind. Their focus is not on the <coughs> task at hand. Their focus is on, is coach going to pull me out? Is coach looking at me? Is coach? Yep. So you got to calm down. Just relax. Coach the game. If you're a good coach, if you know what you're doing, the the, the message that you're trying to convey will come out whether you're will come out in a proper manner when it's time for it to come out.
1: Okay. Last two questions. Um, what made you want to bring me on board here at Grant?
0: Um, I noticed that you had a basketball acumen and that you your your basketball it was pure. You know? played basketball from a pure standpoint, and you knew, you, you, you can have a basketball conversation that was, that was thought out, and that was, and you knew your stuff, you know, you have a, you have a knack for, for understanding timing, and you know that, you know what needs to be done at what point, you know, you reminded me a little bit of myself, because you knew what had to be done, and you knew how to do it, and you you were able to communicate it, you know? and, and I think that your you're, you're overall—you can't teach somebody how to coach. You can't. It's not one of those professions where you can read a book, you know, learn plays. Uh, you know, just like refereeing, you, know? you, you can either you have it or you don't. You know? Basketball players. You can get to a certain level by learning how to play basketball, how to dribble, how to shoot, how to play footwork of defense, positioning. You can get to a certain level, a very high level, but either you have or you don't, at the end of the day, you know, it separates one tier to another, is either you have or you don't. You know, it's just, it's all what it is. You know, there's guys who make the most out of their talent, who make the NBA, make the league, because they're very good at it being fundamentally sound but they can't get to the third they can't get to that last level because they don't have And then there's guys who have it but don't have, don't know how to be fundamentally sound and they never make it anywhere. So I thought you, you had it, it was having a basketball conversation with you. Um, I thought you understood you understood things from a different perspective. Being a player and coaching and you, 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 you had a certain vibe about you that, that that I wanted these kids to experience you know part of being a good coach is knowing what you're lacking you know what you need help with and I thought I needed somebody with your experience playing basketball and I needed somebody who could communicate things that I wasn't great at communicating <coughs> not yet. you know obviously as I coach more I'll get better at it but there's always something you know Uh, whatever you're weak at, you know that. That I've always felt, and, and I learned this a long time ago, is if you surround yourself with people who have certain strengths that you might not have, then it becomes it become a better. Overall, the program becomes better. You know, the, the coaching becomes better because now I needed a, another perspective in my show. I needed somebody who. Didn't associate themselves with Grand Basketball. Didn't know anything about how we run things. Who had an outside, outside eye looking in, who could give me different perspectives. And and you never want somebody to, as a coach, you never want somebody to agree with you. And I remember we had a bunch of basketball arguments. We'd go back and forth arguing about, you know, different points of view. We were both not wrong. We were both right, not you know, in our own perspectives. But I thought that was key. And and I thought you had the maturity to really help. Impact their lives. So I felt that you know, when I asked you to coach with us, it was because I knew that that this is something that you can do for. You know, we had this conversation. I told you. you know, coaching on a high school level is, is rewarding. It's not financially rewarding. Definitely not. But it does give you access to a lot of things that you can help you, that gives you an opportunity to help people at a different level. And, and I thought you wanted that. You, were, you were looking for that. and, and I was looking for somebody who who want you know people coach for their own reasons. And unfortunately, in my perspective, 80% of coaches on the AUU level it's all financial, it's all it's all um selfish reasons. They wanna they even high school when you have these high school coaches who recruit kids, right? Not because they wanna up their value. You know, you say, okay, I'm gonna recruit this kid who's six seven, and play basketball, because he's gonna make me look good. And then maybe a college will want me to coach or maybe I can get more money out of the school because they think I did something. And I thought when I told you, hey, you know, there's not much you know, I don't care, I just wanna coach. I just want to help out. I don't care about that stuff. I got a regular job. You know, come on my free time. I thought that was key. You know, there wasn't there was no hesitation in your voice. And there was no, uh, you were ready to go.
1: Yeah.
0: Whatever I need to do. Yeah. Yeah, i right. yeah, work with you. And then I saw you start working out with kids. And then I saw you, you were able to communicate certain things. And, and, and I said, okay, great. You know, I, I have somebody who, who can compliment whatever I'm doing. You know, when I'm I'm frustrated, you offer a different perspective. When I'm too calm, you're, you're up and up and you, the energy you brought to the team, it's just your natural energy. You know, made us play that much harder, which, you know, so, always a plus.
1: I appreciate that. Last question. If you could sum up your career up to date, because it's still going, um, in one word, what would it be?
0: Sacrifice. Um, you know, obviously, time away from my family, time away from work, I'm away from having fun. You know, while you know guys are going on Christmas vacations, I'm worried about the heart turn. (laughs) Yeah. While you know people are going on summer spring break, I'm getting summer league stuff. You know, it's it's sacrifice that that we have to make in order to. You know, we could be lazy coaches and say, "Okay, guys, see you in August. See you in September." going on vacation for two months with my family, you know, I can say, hey, I don't get paid to be here between August and November. I'm going to see you guys in November, right? But that's not that's about know, These guys need to see us every day. They need to stay. We want these guys to be consistent and motivated and driven. we got to be consistent, motivated, and driven. So, so I, definitely, you know, time away from my kids, time away from my family. Obviously, relationships have gone astray because of it. You know,
1: that's
0: what it is. I decided a long time ago that this is what I wanted to do, regardless of what it took. You know, I, I've passed up job opportunities that are lucrative. I've passed up you know, vacations. I've passed up you know, f- different other female company. Whatever the case might be, there's a lot of things I've passed. Mm-hmm. Time away from my kids you know, to, to, to be here. You know, so I look at it as a, it's a sacrifice, but it's, at the end of the day, it's what I love and it's a rewarding sacrifice. Seeing these guys graduate high school and coming back and watching these guys play college ball, you know, is a a reward in itself. Obviously, everybody wants to make millions of dollars coaching, but, you know, if if, you're going to be a true coach, you're sacrificing time away from a lot of people. You know, people, obviously, when I was 25, instead of going to a club Friday night, I was on the bus ride back from God knows where because we had a game that night yep. and you know, if, if you're really putting your heart into it you don't, don't have time for anything so, you know I'm at work all day I'm not even thinking about work because we have a game at 7 o'clock <laughs> how can I think about work <laughs> you know right yeah oh, I gotta leave work you know on Tuesdays for example we have early days mm-hmm. you know and I gotta I gotta leave work at an hour and a half early so I can make sure I'm here for those people yep. I've passed up job opportunities that pay sixty five, seventy thousand dollars a year because I told them I can't make that time commitment. because I have to be in I practice at two o'clock, two thirty. Sorry. You know, that's everything. would I do it again? Yes. Because I think that I think that the reward I get out of being here every day is much more important than a couple extra dollars in my pocket, obviously. Everybody wants to be rich with they live at the same time. But I chose to, to be a coach and it's a sacrifice I decided to make.
1: Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you have someone in mind that has a story that you think should be heard, sure to follow us on instagram at the game behind the game and leave us a message if you have any questions or comments email us at game the game at gmail.com in the meantime help spread the word to anyone that you think may enjoy and or benefit from this podcast and if you haven't yet go to either apple or spotify podcast to subscribe rate and leave us a review your input and experiences are what keep us going